When I enter, my hot sticks make a burnout when I smash Do it for the money or you do it for the pleasure Either way, I'm always gonna be a careless whisperer Take it slow or maybe do it faster It doesn't matter cause I'm always on your tempo Pull up to the bando, ain't no cold train It's just me and you on key, tapping to the best shoes Such a classic, I respect you I just play along to impress you I just hope you know I wrote this to address you Cause I know when I'm with you How far, man? It's Corey. It's Corey. Um, Courageous Pod. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what I'm thanking you guys for. But, yeah, it's been a while since I did this. So, I'm a little rusty. Um, My name is Corey. For those new listeners, the name of the pod is Courageous Pod. Uh, it's really nothing clever. It's a play on my name. Um, Also, people used to call me Courageous back in high school um, in Nigeria. For those that don't know, if you can't tell from my accent, I'm from Nigeria. Town called Ibado, big town. And um, I used to have this uh, big old mouth back then. I was a skinny kid, skinny kid, big head. I mean, those that know me know me. Like, I used to have a really, really huge head. <laughs> Imagine the size of my head right now. <laughs> I'm like a tiny, skinny little buddy, and I was tiny. And But I had a big old mouth i had to compensate somehow you know what i'm saying and i just said what was on my mind and it got me into a lot of trouble i got my ass whooped a lot i also you know talked my my way out of a lot of tricky situations but 
you know, the point I'm trying to make is that I just I said what I said. You know what I'm saying? And this the courageous part is just kind of me just continuing that thread, just talking my shit, um, trying to make sense of the world, uh, giving my perspective, which I like to think is unique. Um, you know, also just pretty much just you know giving you guys you know providing new stories that i find interesting um entertainment news just a general culture critic is what you can see me as um i'm not i'm not a i'm not a i'm not a life coach or someone that's trying to like teach you something i'm none of that stuff um i just someone introduced me to a podcast a few years ago i got hooked I haven't left it ever since. I have another podcast that I do called the Smiling Software Podcast where we talk about Afrobeat. And it was just something that I just, I liked doing. I, I enjoy actually putting my views out there and and, and and trying to get engagement and trying to understand what, what people thought of it. Um, in a lot of ways, the podcast is really, it's a selfish thing that I do for myself. Um, some people say it's like therapy. Kind of is. Where I just kind of just voice my opinions out in the world. Especially in the world today where you know, it's very tricky to voice your opinions on certain things. I want to, I, I want to be that person to be able to come out and say certain things, and hopefully, you know, find other like-minded people that agree with me. And if you don't agree with me, also find those people that don't agree with me and understand why they don't agree with me. In other words, just learning about the world right now, like in real time, and and hopefully bringing my audience along. That's really the, the ultimate goal. But also sharing really cool stuff that I find. Uh, things that I find amusing, I'll share them on here. But please, I'm not I'm not here to preach to anyone. You know, just here to give my my opinion, and uh, hopefully make money off of it. Nah, please. of course I want to make money, but that's besides the point. I've been doing this for years, and I don't I barely make any money, anyways. Anyways, um, what's going on in the world today, man? There's a lot going on. There's a lot. There's a lot of news stories out there. Uh, oh, I don't know where to even pick from. I think the actually you know what the Whoopi Goldberg thing is like a really big thing right now, right? And for those that don't know, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, she's a legend in in American entertainment in general. Um, she is uh she used to be an actress, she used to be a comedian, um, and now she's on a talk show in America. She she's considered very influential. If you don't know we go bug I I don't know what to tell you go and watch the ghost ghost is one of my favorite movies um, I loved her in it um but she has this talk show where it's like she and like a bunch of other panelists and she made some comments recently it was related to race and we're going to get more into this later in the in the on the episode on the race topic but what she had talked you know what I'll just play it. I'll play it for you guys to get an understanding cuz it was um it was considered controversial. So if I can just get my internet to stop being slow. I'll get you that video in a second. All right, here you go. So if you're yeah. going to do this, then let's be truthful about it because the Holocaust isn't about race. No. No. It's well, not about maybe race. Maybe ethnicity. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Jews about a different it, race. But it's it's not about race. It's not about well, race. What is it about? Because you, it's about 
man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. But it's about mm -hmm. white supremacy. It's well, about but it's not, it's not about and, ideal and race. It's it's but these are two Roma. white groups of people. Well, that how do we have to black but people So just, just to give this a little context, this conversation started because they had apparently banned some books from a school, a, a book called Mouse. I've never read it, but it's supposed to be about the Holocaust. And they had banned it, and they were talking about, and, and I think that was what prompted, prompted this, this, you know, um, rant she went on about race, about Jews. And um, I don't know, man. It's, it's a tricky one. Honestly, I didn't even like to even touch these kind of topics because it's very easy to get canceled <laughs> just from talking about, you know, this group of people. Because if you say something wrong, they get to you. But that's the context. So they had banned this book from schools, from, from some school in here, here in the United States. And she was just trying to explain. She was, honestly, I'm not even sure why that would prompt this. But let's, but let's finish. White and but you're missing the point. You're yeah. missing the point. Yeah. The minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. It's a problem. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, because black, white, Jews, uh, it's everybody eats each other. So is it, if you're uncomfortable, if you hear about mouse, should you be worried? Should, should your child say, oh my God, I, I, I wonder if that's me? No, that's not what they're gonna say. They're gonna say, I don't wanna be like that. Well, hopefully. Well, I don't wanna be cruel. Yeah, and well, yeah most kids, and, most oh. kids they, they don't wanna be cruel. No, they don't. And, and we're, living in a, you know, we're living in an era where people are, are comparing vaccine cards to the yellow stars, where people are comparing mm -hmm. vaccinations to what Anne Frank yeah. went through. Yeah. So it is necessary for kids to learn about yeah, the Holocaust. Yeah. To learn way, about man's what? inhumanity to man, however it exposes itself. I have to cut you off. I just want to say fast. that Mouse was banned and it flew to the top 20 of Amazon's rules last week. A yeah. chart. Yes. Okay. So, the first thing is the banning of books. I, I find it weird. And this is, again, this is part of why I mentioned earlier how it's very easy to get canceled. Um, one of the reasons why I moved to this country, or one of, the, one of the things that appealed to me when I moved to this country was uh, the very First Amendment, freedom of speech. I mean, that, that was something that it always appealed to me. You know, back home, back when I was in Nigeria, I would watch, you know, like TV and I'll see Americans and just the way they express themselves, there was something that was so appealing about that the fact that you could come out and say what you wanted it's really come from someone that grew up in in the military regime in the 90s you know i knew what that was like you couldn't just come out and say whatever you wanted you know i had family members that couldn't stay back home like they had to move out of the country because they had voiced opinions about the government and that 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 stuff could get you killed literally so for me america always had that appeal to me where you could say certain things um yes of course you could get backlash but there was never really any at least not until recently there was never any threat of like your livelihood and i'm seeing a lot of that these days they call it cancel culture and what happened with whoopi when she made this, these comments i'm not here to give my 
my view on the comment, you know, whether I was right or not right. You know, a lot of what she said can be can be debated in many ways. Um, actually, you know, I will give my view. So, I've always seen the Jewish people as a race, especially given like when you read about the Holocaust and you read about Hitler's comments. He literally said, <laughs> he literally said, you know, they needed to ex- extinguish the Jewish race. He literally said that. So I think at least, at least for him, it was definitely about race. And, you know, when you also consider the fact that people would, would try to change their features to escape prosecution from the Nazis back then, you know, when I think of race, I'm thinking about features, um, immutable characteristics about ourselves that we can't change. And these were things that European Jews, some of them, you could identify them because they had certain characteristics. Now, not not all of them, but some of them. So, to an extent, I kind of see where Whoopi is coming from because in today's world, in today's world, a lot of people see all of them as white, right? But I don't think that was always the case. Um, and actually, I learned recently that Whoopi is actually she may be Jewish. Again, I've I've heard reports that she may actually be Jewish. She does have like her last name is Jewish. You know, I've heard one report that she changed it so that she could be more accepted in Hollywood. I've heard other reports that she actually she's of Jewish descent. I really don't know. I really don't care. What I care about is this idea because what happened? She made this comment and she got suspended for two weeks. Now it's probably not gonna affect her. She's probably getting paid. I'm not here to, you know, um, fight for Whoopi's rights or anything. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. She makes a lot of money. She makes enough money. She'll be very okay. But this idea that when when we when we have conversations and we say things that may not necessarily be um, politically correct, especially when you're coming from a place of ignorance, no one knows everything 100%. You know, even the comment that she made, I don't, I don't, it's hard to judge what her intent was, you know, but the fact that the first reaction is to go come out and just cancel people, I find something very fundamentally wrong with that. And this wasn't the America that I, that I, you know, learned about back home. It wasn't the America that I came, that I actually came to um, years ago when I first got to this country. If this wasn't how things were. Things are changing. And I, I, people, I know, like I have conversations with friends and I know the kind of things that we talk about in private, they would never come out and say those things in public today. And that's because of this fear of cancellation, this fear of your livelihood being ripped from you. And I find that to be really troubling. I'm not, I don't agree with a lot of things Whoopi says, but like this idea that, People don't even have a chance to get things wrong anymore. They say things and then you want to just, you want to punish them. You want to humiliate them. I find it very troubling. Very, very troubling. And, you know, what I keep trying to explain explain to people is that there's something there's something going on. I don't know what it is. I can't, I don't, I can't, it's hard to make sense. So I know a lot of it is pushed by the media, the mainstream media in America. There's like certain narratives that get pushed. And the minute you break away from that narrative, the way they come at you, there's just something very, very nefarious about it. 
that I find troubling. And, you know, some people are saying that this whole cancel culture thing that we're in, a lot of it is coming from, like, our academia. They're the, they're the ones developing all these new rules from what I'm hearing. So all these <laughs> Africans that are sending your children to come and school here, man, I think you really have to at least know what you're walking into when you're sending your kids to the United States or to most Western colleges because this, this castle culture thing has gripped a lot of Western society. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to... It, it's just something weird about it um, that I wish wasn't the case. Um, so that that's my opinion on the whole Whoopi Goldberg controversy. You know... Um, I think we should we should be allowed to be wrong on certain things, and we should be allowed to be corrected. This should have been a chance to this should have been a chance to learn for all of us to learn. I learned a lot of things too, even in this process. You know, um, I, I learned one of the things that I learned was um, was that you know apparently the stuff that I told you guys about about Hitler literally saying it was about the race i like that that was something that i that was something new that i learned i didn't know that initially um and you know even this idea of like the concept of race you know that has changed over the years that hasn't necessarily been a static thing uh, but i do want to talk about that because there are other things that have been happening on these internet streets the concept of race, the concept of race, what does it mean? What exactly does it mean? I mean, we all, we can all agree that it's a social construct, right? This is something that someone came up with, the rule that someone came up with. This is how we're going to categorize ourselves. There's white people, there's black people, there's Asian people, there's Indian people. We're all different races. But what does it really mean? What does it mean? And why was it put in place? To separate us, perhaps. But does it still have any use? Does it? Some people would argue yes. Some people would argue that yes. That this is the one way that you can tell people that are oppressed versus people that aren't oppressed. I don't necessarily agree with that framework. I don't. I don't. And I've noticed that these days, people want to turn certain races into tribes. I think all it does is divide us. All it does is separate us. Some people are convinced that because you're black, then you are part of the black tribe. You're part of the black racial tribe. I don't necessarily agree with that. I agree that, yes, I am black. But because I'm black... That's an immutable characteristic. It doesn't doesn't necessarily mean I have anything else in common with you other than the, the the shade of our melanin. And even that, they're different shades. Doesn't mean anything. Um some people argue, argue that blackness comes with a certain level of um shared or lived experiences. Uh that are common among black people. And while that may be true for some, I don't think it's true for all. You see, and this is this is where I, I get a little bit 
you know, weird. When people start trying to make black people a monolith, like we all kind of have the, all the same experiences. Um, some of the things that people reference is like the experience of going out and being discriminated against. Again, I don't buy into that. Look, I, I'm here to speak my truth. And I'm not speaking anything else but my truth. I'm not speaking for black people. I'm not speaking for Nigerian people. I'm not speaking for anyone. I'm speaking for myself. I don't think that... And, you know, even if it was true that we have this common thing, all black people have this common thing in the context of America where we're all discriminated against, I don't think it's enough to make that something that you can build a tribe off of. I don't think so. I think there's more. You 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 cannot build a tribe off of merely just like an oppression status. No. There has to be more. There's things that make a tribe, there's things that make an ethnic group, a culture. It can't just be, oh, well we we all suffer together. No. It can't be that. There's so much more to life. And I'll give you an example. Nigeria, for instance, the most populous black nation. It's about, I forgot how many now. Sorry, over 100 million people, for sure. No, over 200 million people. I mean, and when you consider all the Nigerians around the world, we are a lot. We are we're a lot. We're, we're definitely probably well over... 300 million when you consider all the Nigerian all the people of Nigerian descent around the world we come in so many shapes and colors we're not all the same we don't most of us don't even like each other a lot of the tribes fight amongst each other back home we all know this you know and it's hard to even think of something that really brings us together as a as Nigerians other than the fact that we yeah we share the same common struggles as far as this we don't have lights you know we have like very very messed up systems government system corruption all this stuff that we all have to go through when we're in Nigeria yes that's something that we all have in common but even despite all that you still find the Yoruba man (laughs) and the Alsa man playing all these tribalist games it happens all the time I'm not saying tribalism is good. I'm not saying that's like some kind of benefit. No, it's not. I would hope that Nigerians banded more together and didn't focus so much on these tribal squabbles. But a lot of us don't, we don't even, we don't, we don't agree. We don't necessarily, you know, we don't necessarily gel all the time. And that's the most populous black nation. That's Nigerians. Now talk about Africa and all the different tribes, all the different countries in Africa. We, we are far from a monolith. We're so different. Only thing we have in common is the fact that we're all on this big continent called Africa. And yes, there are things that different cultures have in common, but it's very, very hard to just say we're all one. Talk less to now say that we're not going to say all black people. We're some kind of monolith. We're some kind of tribe based off of this idea that we're all oppressed together. Nah, I don't buy it. I, like that kind of disposition to me doesn't even make any sense. 
how do you build a culture off of, off of that? How do you build anything off of that? Like, well, we're all suffering together, so yeah, my brother, how? No. What defines my culture is the fact that I'm a Yoruba guy. Yoruba first. Um, There are things that Yoruba people do. Even within Yoruba, we have our divisions, but for the most part, we speak the same language. Those are things that kind of bind us together. We have the same type of values, similar values. Those are the things that make a culture. There has to be something positive that makes a culture. It cannot be, it cannot be suffering. We didn't come here to suffer. So, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that this idea that being black suddenly makes you like a part of a tribe, I don't think it's helpful. I really don't think it's helpful. I don't think it gets us anywhere. I think there's so much more to life. I am more focused on whether me and someone have the same type of values. And it doesn't matter what color that person is. Um, some people choose to see the world a different way. I choose not to. Some people choose to see the world as you're either the oppressed or you're the oppressor. I don't see the world that way. The way I see the world is that there are bad people, there are good people, and there are people in between. And everything comes down to what we all value. Certain cultures value certain things. Other cultures value other things. And those values usually make how successful, they, it usually determines how successful that tribe is going to be. So that's just my take on that. All right, so what else happened in the last couple of weeks? Yes, I remember now. The Eidos. The Eidos were fighting with the Africans. For those that are wondering what I'm talking about, they're this group of people. They consider themselves Eidos. A-D-O-S. That's American descendants of slavery. These are people that kind of, they are, they're like, a, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain what this is. I mean, it, it's self-explanatory. American descendants of slavery. Anyone that's a descendant of slavery is considered in this group. They're forming these online uh, groups like a kind of like a political group where they're pushing for like things like reparation for people of African um, slave descent. And they've been around for, for quite a few years now. I've heard of them. I hear of them. They always pop up every now and then. Cause you know me, I'm always on the internet. I'm always, I'm always just searching stuff. Um, then you have another group called FWB, Foundational, oh, sorry, FB, FBW, Foundational Black Americans, FBA, I think, Foundational Black Americans. They they also similar to the ADOS people. I think they all used to be the same under the ADOS umbrella, but they some of them, one of them had a fight with the other. One of the leaders had a fight with the other, and they now broke out and did their own thing. 
So they've been very, very vocal on platforms like Clubhouse. But recently, they kind of spilled out of Clubhouse onto a somewhat mainstream platform, Twitter. And they had this um, room where for the longest time they were talking about um, the plight of black Americans, specifically ADOS black Americans. And what they ended up doing was creating this room on Twitter. And they were talking about how Africans, I mean, I'm, I can read out like the points that they were making. The argument was that America was built by foundational black Americans, AKA ADOS people. Um, Another of the arguments is that without the push for the 14th Amendment, which is the right to citizenship, none of the other blacks, immigrant blacks that moved to this country would be here today. Which, I think there's some truth to that. What are the other things that they argue? They argue about, you know, the civil rights movement that they fought for, that they and their ancestors fought for, are the things that make it possible for immigrants like me to enjoy benefits and certain um, privileges in a country like America. Which, perhaps there's some truth to that too. I'm sure there's some truth to that too. Um, but then what they're pissed about now is that they feel like African immigrants or even like Caribbean immigrants that moved to this country they are not, they're, they're not, they're not allying themselves with the black Americans like they should. First of all, they think that we're here to take jobs. This is, again, this is just a small faction of people. This is not how a lot of people think. This is just, this is very, very vocal online community. And they think Africans are here to take jobs from Edos people, people of slave descent. They think that we take jobs and then we make money and then we send that money back to our home countries. In other words, they feel like we're, you know, they fought for all these rights and privileges that black people, you know, have access to in America. But then we're not reinvesting back in the black community. So they feel somewhat betrayed by that. And they're going on all these platforms and they're speaking loudly. One of the people that are actually um, very, very vocal on this matter is this guy called Tariq Nasheed. He's this... He talks a lot of crap online He and he talks a lot of shit too. Um, but, you know, that was the, those are the arguments that he was making. Um, they all, Obviously, they also feel like ADOS people are old reparations. I think there's some some points to that too um now imagine they open up this space on twitter twitter where nigerians are very active and a lot of the comments that are being made you know they were always injecting nigerians names in there so nigerians flooded this this twitter space where they were talking and of course 
it became a basketball situation where they were just arguing. Like Nigerians, some Nigerians were trolling, some Nigerians were calling for the place to be shut down. Um, you know, obviously there were Africans that were on there that were making counter arguments. Some of the counter arguments that that you would hear on on that space would be like something like. Africans argue that we contribute to American economy. That basically, the reason why we kind of have like a stake in the American economy is the fact that Americans or American foreign, foreign, um, um, foreign affairs affects all these impoverished countries in Africa and extract resources from them and because of that they're forced to leave our home countries like Nigeria for greener pastures so almost like kind of like you know that that whole thing of blaming the white man the white man is taking all our resources so we have another choice and that you know of course we're contributing to the economy um so obviously there's an incentive for America to also have us come because we're we're kind of we're helping to boost the American economy, which there's some truth to that. There is some truth to that. But the whole argument about, you know, and it's like a it's like a it's like a colonialism argument where they say, you know, we were colonized by the West, so as a result, we're kind of like getting back at them, and we're having we have no other choice because they've ruined us. I don't necessarily buy that. I feel like the reason why a lot of African and Caribbean immigrants flee their countries because they have bad leaders. We just have to be honest. It's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, there there may be some effects of col- of of colonial masters, you know, especially those francophone countries where that still, you know, um, have a lot of influence from fr- France. Um, yes. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, the developed countries have a lot of influence in continents like Africa. China is wielding a lot of influence. But I, to say that that is the reason why people are fleeing their countries, that's not true. That we're fleeing those countries because we have bad leaders. It's That's really just the bottom line. We have bad leaders. And as a result of our bad of a lot of our bad leadership and bad governance. I mean, these are leaders that are, no one is forcing them to do anything. They're, a lot of them are just stealing money, right? And as a result, we have ter- some, we have, you know, bad economies that aren't producing jobs like they, like they should. You know, we don't have the resources. A country like Nigeria, we don't even have uh, constant electricity. Um, there's a lot of hardship. We're the impoverished capital of the world. That's why people are fleeing. That's why someone like me had to leave. So we leave and we come to the United places like the United States and we try to we come here for green pastures. So yeah, we do come here to get jobs. Yeah. <laughs> now, this idea that we're stealing black people jobs I've pushed back against that because there's a lot that doesn't really line up there. First of all, the black American community in America is about 40 million people. The African 
and this is not including Caribbean, I'm just talking about the African community, is about 4 million. So that's about a tenth. This idea that we're going to make this huge impact and take all the jobs, it's laughable. We're we're a fraction of of the entire black community in America. That's not, and that's all Africans, African immigrants. And you can look this up. I think it's about a little less than four million. Um, and then the black, the black population is about forty million. So you do the math. That's number one. So there's only so much impact that we can have. But number two, this idea that we're coming to steal black jobs. What? No, we're we're coming to take we're we're coming to compete for jobs, all jobs, not just black jobs, white jobs, Asian jobs. We're co- we're com- we're coming to compete with everybody because that's what America is about. That's what that's like one of the foundations of America as a capitalist society. Part of how they they you know make sure that the economy is running is that they make sure that they have a decent amount of immigration coming in to also compete for jobs this that that has been america it's it's an immigrant country it's full of immigrants that's why it's such a diverse country the immigrants that have come in and have made um they've made fortunes coming to the united states that's what the american dream is about you know so we're coming long and short that I'm trying to say is that we're coming to compete for all jobs. I, I find it insulting when people say, Oh no, we we're just competing with with African Americans. Because when you say that, what you're implying is that there are only there's certain jobs that are reserved for African Americans. Right? Which some people may argue that, yeah, because of things like quotas, you know, the government tries to encourage um corporations to have a certain amount of at least a minimum amount of a quota of black folks it's not enforced because technically you can't enforce that 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 would be discrimination but they incentivize companies to do that and most companies try to do it but if you're saying that there's this there's certain jobs that are that are Secured. First of all, it's it's wrong. You can't say that there's certain jobs that are secured for black people that are descendants of slaves because that's not how America works. There are black people that have come to this country that have been in this country for for almost a decade, for almost a century now. There are people that have been here for a while. So this idea that it, this stuff is only for the people that are descendants of slaves that's that's not how the law works. It just isn't. It just isn't. That's number one. Number two, you're assuming that the black people that have these jobs, that maybe they didn't really earn it. Like essentially you're trying to say there are there's like a token amount of black people that they need to have. And they just have to hire them just because they're black people. So what you're implying is that these people haven't earned these jobs. And I think that's wrong. I think that's that's the wrong way to look at things. Um, because why would you want a job that you didn't qualify for and that you're only in the job because you're a black person? No one wants that. At least I don't. So this idea that there's a certain amount of jobs that are reserved for a certain group of people 
I find that to be not not necessarily accurate. Um, I, first of all, there's no there's no way to even prove that. You know, a lot of these corporations are not very very transparent with their hiring systems. That's first of all. But most importantly, you can't say that black people aren't earning these jobs. And you can't say that when Africans come here, hustle and get jobs that they haven't earned it. How like how do you arrive at that? I think it's wrong. Um so that's the one thing I I push back against these Ados folks. As far as reparations goes, I do think there's a case to be made. That was a promise that was made. How that gets implemented, I don't know. But it's one of those things where I'm not I'm not stepping in any in any group's way for achieving that. That was a promise that was made by the US government. It was never fulfilled. That is a fact. If it if there was something to be some kind of reparation to be given out, I just think it'll be tricky in dispersing those those funds, given how much black people have intermixed with other cultures, other nationalities, other races. You know what I'm saying? How do you then determine? You know, it's, it'll be tricky. Like, what what would be the rule? How much black do you have to have? Is it one sixteenth? Is it one thirty two? Is it is it a tiny pinch? Do you, does it have to be? Do you have to be at least half black? Like, how how does that work? I don't know. I don't know. But I think it's a conversation worth having. And I, I believe that's something that Biden, one, of, one of the things that Biden has where they're looking into it. Um, I, I think he's full of shit. I don't think they're doing anything. I think he's just doing it to appease. But I think it's a conversation worth having. And that's not something that I would get in anyone's way of. But as far as those jobs, though, look, Nigerians didn't come to America to celebrate. We didn't come here to play. <laughs> We're here to hustle because we know how hard it is back home. And a lot of the people that come here, they, their, their family, their households have sacrificed to get them here. So, yes, some, a lot of Nigerians tend to have like a certain amount of focus. But there are a lot of useless Nigerians too. Like, I always hear this stuff about Nigerians. We also no, there are a lot of lazy Nigerians too. Like, we're, again, it goes back to this whole thing of we're not a monolith. We're not. This, we're not all the same. There are Nigerians that come here and they come here with nothing, and there are Nigerians that come here and they come here with a decent amount of money. I always hear this. Anytime I'm always hearing these. Ados versus African debate. You always hear things about like, you know, America only picks the cream of the crop. And because they pick the cream of the crop, they have Nigerians that get here are usually privileged. So when they get here, they already have certain advantages. And I'm like, wait, I'm miss am I missing something here? Has has someone done a survey? Cause I don't get that. Now, first of all, how do you determine that only the cream of, of the crop gets it? I would give it to you that, okay, perhaps the impoverished, the most impoverished Nigerians are less likely to make it to the U.S. I'll give that to you. But because you're, you're not impoverished doesn't necessarily, or 
actually i'll put it a better way because you may be the cream of the crop in nigeria doesn't make you the cream of the crop when you get to america i think that's what a lot of people are missing what does that mean you're the cream of the crop you know most of the real real like rich people that i know nigerians that i know and every most people can attest to this most of them that come here to the united states they go back home. A lot of these like politicians, kids, they go back home because they're way more likely to make a whole lot more money moving back home. You know, because they already have the access, they already have the connections. The people that stay here is because they all of them don't have a choice. So this idea that it's only the most privileged that are coming here. Even if that was true, first of all, we don't really have any data to back that up. But even if that was true, because because they are more privileged than the average Nigerian, doesn't necessarily make them privileged when they get here. I think that's something that we need to really, really like, really keep track of. You know what I'm saying? Um, people say, "Oh yeah, they they, they come here. They already have university degrees there," but but. Or some people already have like they already have like a good background of like a good education background, and it's like that's not necessarily privilege. That that's really more of like a culture thing. That's education and all the things that Nigerians really value a lot. We we push a lot of, um, and we get here, and because yes, it's been instilled in us, in a lot of us, it doesn't make us privileged. How do you arrive at that? We're talking about. We're talking about a population of people that they don't have constant electricity. There's 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 barely any water in certain parts of Nigeria. Um, there's there's all kinds of corruption, crime that affects the average Nigerian. There's all all sorts sorts of hazards all over Nigeria. You know, um, this idea that that makes people privileged when they when they leave or it makes no sense to me. No, how, how? Even our schools, the conditions of a lot of the schools in Nigeria. Like, it's funny because I actually went to a school that someone would even consider privileged in Nigeria. I did, and I remember they, our roofs used to be asbestos. Like, it wasn't the most, <laughs> it wasn't necessarily the safest learning environment. The, the our classrooms were like freaking frames no windows nothing like this idea that and that was and i was considered privileged compared to the average nigerian but again it goes back to because i may have been privileged doesn't necessarily mean i was privileged when i got here it doesn't necessarily mean i had an advantage when i got here whatever advantage it was it was whatever values that were instilled in me um so and I hear Nigerians saying this too. I hear Nigerians echoing these things too. And it's kind of bothersome because you don't realize it's almost like you're you're giving excuses for like your successes. Why? No, there are things about our culture that, you know, maybe kind of gives us an advantage. I wouldn't call it a privilege. It's just how our, our culture is. And in the same token, not every Nigerian ends up being successful when they get here. There are a lot of Nigerians that are failing. 
we're not all the same. That's why I keep, I, I'm always so confused when people keep making these statements. Like, we're all these rich, pampered people that move here. Yeah, some of us maybe, but not all of us. They're people that are broke, dead broke, where their whole family sold everything that they had to send that kid to the United States. Like, this idea of privilege, man, it's like, people really use it to, like, weaponize people weaponize this whole privilege concept let me just put it that way and it's annoying and it needs to stop it's unacceptable but anyway back to the ados versus africans debate so i don't know where i left off um yeah man so like this idea that africans are coming to steal job now one thing i would give the ados side is that Illegal immigration does have an effect. All like all immigration has an effect on jobs in America. All immigration, all people that are migrating here, a lot of them is for economic opportunities. So, they, they automatically people are competing. Asian Americans when they get here, or you know, South Asian Americans when they get here, they're competing. A lot of them are doing even way better than Nigerians are. And you gotta understand. It, it's not black people's jobs. No, it's not only black people's jobs. It's white people's jobs. It's everyone's jobs. Every, everyone that they meet here, they're competing for those jobs. Look at the IT sector. It's dominated by a lot of Asians. You know what I'm saying? In fact, it's, it's even gotten so bad now that you didn't have to even come here. They, they're outsourcing a lot of these jobs in places like India. Yes, it's happening. So there's always going to be a competition of jobs for all races. All races. The one thing I would give is when it's illegal immigration, I can see how that I can see how that could put downward pressure on wages for certain type of jobs. Now I'm not going to I'm not going to assume that it's only African-Americans that would benefit from those jobs. I think anyone, any law-abiding citizen would benefit from those jobs. But I would admit that there is a level of illegal immigration in this country that has become kind of normalized. It happens. There are people that come here without the right papers and they get jobs under the table. I'm not here to snitch on them. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm just saying... That has a potential <clears throat> to put downward pressure on wages and affect jobs. So that I would give, I would, I would concede that argument that illegal immigration does have an effect on everyone. Obviously, that effect would most likely be on a lower you know, lower-waged or unskilled workers. And I think that's unfair. I think that's unfair. And I think that there's more than that should be done to curtail illegal immigration. Um, so that's one point that I would concede. But on all the other stuff, man, I don't buy it, man. I, I, don't, I, I don't find it to be helpful at all. I think... These are just ways to 
the vibe on another man it's another way for uh, to have and it's you know it's funny because i think even business insider picked up this idos versus african story i was surprised because this was something that used to be only secluded to certain corners of the internet it wasn't anything that that would make like trending topic and this one made like i think it was number one for for some time number one trending topic on twitter idos versus africans african-americans versus africans and there were these there were people just like throwing shots at each other and I, it was it was upsetting to see it really was because it really doesn't need to be that it doesn't need to get to that level at least not in my opinion um yeah but so that happened um yeah but I, i'm curious to know what you guys think man about this whole africans in the in america uh americans of american descendants of slavery or the foundational black americans the fba i'd like to get your thoughts on it what you guys think i mean is this something that could potentially become a, a, an even more serious situation like we saw in south africa i don't know if you guys remember south africa was where um nigerians started getting attacked for some reason Nigerians are always at the top of everyone's list. <laughs> you know why? Because we're always we're always the ones making the most noise. Sometimes you just think just shut the heck up and just make your money and, and go, but nah. We're loud. We're loud. We have to let everyone know. Um I don't know, man. I hope it doesn't get bad. I really do. I really hope it doesn't get any worse than it's gotten. I hope it's it remains something that just stays on the internet. And doesn't manifest itself in real life, because um, that wouldn't be good. Especially in a country where there are guns. Nah, South Africa got pretty bad. You know, Nigerian immigrants were getting attacked. Um, there were riots. There were protests. And um, I don't know, man. Whenever I get this xenophobic type vibe for some of these people, I get a little worried. Hopefully it doesn't get any worse. And again, this isn't something that's... Again, this is a specific group. I know a lot of Af African-Americans of that are descendants of slavery. And a lot of them don't necessarily think this way. Um, this isn't something that represents all of African-Americans. This is a small group. But a lot of times, these small groups are the ones that have the loudest voices. And they sometimes can have a potential to stir up things and, you know, get their message across to people that eventually adopt them. But hopefully that doesn't happen. I don't believe in, I think they canceled the, the room. I don't, I don't believe in, in them shutting down any rooms because that, all that does is just, you know, it just, you know, the way I see it is the best disinfectant is light. I would rather us see and I would rather us engage those people. I would rather not shut down those conversations because all they'll do is just not come out and say it in public and then it just festers and it's never a good idea. So, but enough on that now. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, please leave a comment in the comment section. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, 
Um, but I really want to, I really would like to get your thoughts on, on this particular matter. I would like to, is this something that, you know, for those outside of the United States, are you guys seeing something similar? Um, is this something that would concern you in any way? I'm curious to know. Um, for now, I think I'm going to take a quick, a quick break. Um, this here is the, it's called Loyalty by Ajabo Haslas. Check this out. Ajebo Hustlers. Uh, it's called Loyalty. Wally loves that song. Wally loves those guys. Wally, my boy. Um, yeah, man. Uh, let's switch it up a little bit, man. Let Let's talk about what's going on on the on the continent, particularly in Niger. There's a lot that's been going on lately. Um, presidential elections are coming, 2023, I believe. Um, and there have been some people that have declared. Tinubu is one of them, one of those big names. I think Peter Obi is another one. There's been a few of them. I don't know if Atiku has declared yet. I don't remember. But there's rumors that Oshibanjo may also declare. Look, I'm not going to pretend like I know what the heck is going on. I feel like Nigerian politics is like this black box. No one knows what the heck is going on. I see all these people on Clubhouse every day. 
arguing like you think they, they are in meetings with these people no one knows a damn thing the media doesn't know a damn thing um there's a, always a lot of speculation one thing i will say is that the general sentiment is that people are frustrated with buhari's governance um at least that's the sentiment that i get online honestly tinubu going into office i don't think things can get any worse <laughs> I mean, that's just my own take i'm not an expert on nigerian politics um i try to follow as much as i can but i the, we can't we can't go any lower than than things have been at this point yes you know they always talk about tinubu being very very um cunning is the word i would use <laughs> very cunning and um in fact there was a recent article that came out about him on the people's gazette of him colluding or conspiring with his um at the time ag oshibanjo because Oshibanjo used to be his attorney general in Lagos. They are saying that Oshibanjo's law firm helped him launder money. How true it is, I don't know. I mean, it looked pretty credible to me, but what does it matter? They all they all taking money one way or another at this point. Um, like I said, Nigeria is like a black box. No one really knows what's going on. No one does. Only the actual powers that be. I think Nigeria is one of those countries where the elite, the powerful, they've put themselves in a position where they can't lose. They just can't lose. You know, the one time that I thought that someone was going to buck the system was NSARS. And my thinking was that NSARS was, that was like the the first thing, that was like the chink in their armor because you saw how scared that they were. But what did they do? They played class wars. They understand that there's a huge population of the country that's broke, impoverished, desperate. There's this it's like a little sliver of middle class, right? All these people uh, that have been able to get higher education, they will go to universities that are a little bit more, um, um, I guess, more. I don't want to say enlightened because I don't think education necessarily makes you enlightened but they're they're a little bit more engaged with like the political state a lot of people in nigeria no no one is really like engaged like that everyone is like trying to hustle to to find their next dollar but there's some people that have a little bit more luxury that they can be a little engaged and what do they do whenever things hit the fan they just play one against the other. So during NSARS, for instance, one of the first things that they had do they that, that they did was they had like all these touts, all these area boys. All they had to just pay them chump change according to you know, as far as they're concerned. And they were disrupting some of these protests. What else did they do? They used the police. The police that they already broke they people aren't making money. It doesn't take much to have them go and harass people. So what did the police do? Allegedly, the police went to Ozumba and Badway Togate, the Togate there, the Lekki Togate, and they shut up the place. And, you know, there's been a lot of back and forth about what happened, what didn't happen. All I know is that 
whatever they did, it clearly worked because there hasn't been a, a protest ever since, or at least any protest of any huge magnitude. The point I'm trying to make is that the elites have put themselves in a position where, okay, if these people want to fight, we're just going to play this far more desperate poor people against them. It's easy. That's how they get away with it. Divide and conquer. And I think at this point, when it comes to Nigeria, the only thing that we can rely on is small incremental progress. I don't... See, and this is another thing because we're talking about Edos and how Edos feel like Africans are fleeing their countries. I think I didn't mention that part. Edos feel like Africans are fleeing their countries to come to the West. And does that make us cowardly? Maybe. 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 I mean, it has to be addressed at some point. We can't pretend like this is normal. We all leave. We all flee. And that's why people that cho- choose to stay and choose to just adapt with that situation, I don't, I don't, I don't try to like, like criticize them or, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I know that at the end of the day, at least they chose to stay in their country. There, there's a sense of, and that's why when people always talk about, oh, the, the Nigerians are privileged that, that come here. No, there's a sense of, you know, like this isn't, even though some of us come here, we naturalize all that stuff, there's still this sense of we've abandoned our, our country and we left it for the scoundrels to take over. This idea that is a certain weight that comes with that. And I think there is something to be said about the cowardice of a lot of us. That a lot of us didn't stay and fight. And this is something that has been passed on from generation to generation. It's just normal that, okay, you have a child, you expect the child to leave the country at some point. We're not trying to fight for that country. And it's unfortunate, man. I, I don't know what else to say about it. I Sometimes I do feel like a coward. And I think sometimes we have to reflect. Like, at some point, if we are going to get any kind of progress, we all just can't keep leaving. But anyways, that's the state of Nigeria for me, man. I'm not going to pretend like I know what the heck is going on. No one knows what the heck is going on. No one knows. They're all in the dark. It's very easy. Even the press. It's very easy to pay pay the press. You see one press saying one thing. You don't know if if they if it's the opposition that's paying them to say all that stuff. You really don't know. No one knows. Let's stop lying to ourselves. They don't know a damn thing. Anyways, um, enough about that, man. Let Let's go on to something a little less uh serious. What else happened last week? Okay, so you have Kim Ye. They split up. And they're having issues right now. Kanye is my guy, man. Kanye is my guy. Kanye is my guy. I don't know. I, I don't. It, it's. I'm not going to be objective on this topic. But long and short of it is, they're having issues with raising their kids. Kanye feels like he doesn't get enough access to the kids. Kanye feels like Kim Kardashian 
you know, he claims that Kim Kardashian has like a security around when when he's with his kids. And then something happened recently. Kim went on TikTok with the first daughter, North Northwest, and she, I think she had on like makeup or something. It was like a cute little TikTok, and Kim was right there with her. It wasn't like she was by herself. And then Kai put up, <laughs> he put up a tweet. <laughs> he said, "This man said, look." <clears throat> This is my first divorce. I don't know how to tell Kim that I don't want my daughter to be on TikTok. It was hilarious. It was petty. I mean, it was kind of messed up. See, see, the thing is, I don't think you should be airing out your dirty laundry like that. But again, I don't know his situation. I don't know if he's that he's he's been texting us. She's not, I don't. I really don't know. Um, I do think there there is some level of media jockeying that they both do. The Kardashians are known to do it. They work with a lot of media people and they put out certain stories to like tweak narratives out there in the media. And they've been known to do it. And I think Kanye's probably doing a little bit of that. He understands that he has a lot of fans. And if he can get enough of his fans to like show a lot of resentment towards Kim, maybe that might put a little bit, bit of pressure for her to maybe agree with his own style of raising the child. I think it's a bad idea to try to raise your child through social media, period. And the reason why, as much as I love Kanye, it's hard to get behind going online to cast the mother of your daughter for anything. It's hard. It's hard to be able to justify that. I think that's a line crossed. And... The fact that he did it first, he brought that issue first. And this is not the first time he's doing it. He seems to always do that. Do that. I don't know if it's because he's just desperate, but as a billionaire, you think that there are other ways that you can handle that stuff where it doesn't come out in the public. Um, but that's not the case here. I think it's unfortunate. I do think Kanye is mad petty <laughs> with that tweet. I said that this is my first divorce. Basically, he's trying to say that, look, she she's gotten divorced three times. <laughs> this is my own first divorce. How do I how do I navigate this situation? Like just mad petty. Just unnecessarily petty. What else happened? Oh yeah, Riri. Rihanna got pregnant. Rihanna got pregnant by um ASAP Rocky. Good for them. I'm happy for them. I know uh, people are always putting all these different memes online about what it means, like claiming ASAP Rocky is broke. What does it matter, man? Look, you're bringing a child into this world. You guys seem to be together. You guys seem to be happy. You guys taking pictures together. That's good. That's good. I think, I think it's good to see more images of family units that are together versus the ones that are not together. <laughs> um, so, Happy for Rihanna. Good for her. Good for her and ASAP Rocky. I don't really have much else to say on that. What else happened in the last couple of weeks? Um, oh, yeah. There were there were a bunch of coups, coups in Africa, in the continent of Africa. Um, there was one in Burkina Faso. Again, <laughs> sometimes it feels like we're caused in that continent. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I was reading this article the other day about how the last 
I think since like 1960, Afri- the African continent has gone through the most coups, like a ridiculous amount. I think it was like an average of like four a year or something, like, something ridiculous like that. I, I don't know if part of it too is the fact that there are a lot of new, like a lot of the African countries are, compared to other countries, are newly formed, you know, relative. Nigeria, for instance, is still a relatively young country. 1960, that was our independence. Maybe it has something to do with that. Maybe it's just us. Maybe it's, it's part of the growing pains of becoming a country. But for a year, an average of four coups a year on the continent, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I don't know what it is, man. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I really don't. But we got to figure it out. What else happened? Oh yeah, uh, Russia and US—they're beefing. I don't know the ins, the in, the in and the the ins, ins and outs. Um, I do know that there was that one clip online where some US administ- administrator came out, made a claim, and a journalist questioned, like, "How do you know? Like, how do you make that claim about Russia?" And the guy said, like, he was like, how, like, where's the proof? And the guy said, well, I just said it. That's the proof. <laughs> and I forgot the guy's name. But, yeah. Hopefully, we don't get into any wars. We can't afford to. I can't afford to. Um, you know, sometimes a lot of these things are just, like, jockeying. But a war with Russia would not end well. It, it it doesn't even sound pretty at all. What else? Canada. The Canadian truckers. They've been out there. It's these um, truckers that are protesting against COVID mandates. How do I feel about the COVID mandates? I think they are an overreach. I've never been in favor of mandates. I'm just going to keep it a buck. I am vaccinated. Um, but I don't believe anyone should be forced. I don't believe it should be something that's forced. I don't even think corporations should be forcing it on people. I really don't. I don't think people's jobs should be threatened. Um, I'm not gonna say much else because that COVID, that COVID topic is a little. I know this is a courageous part, but look, I'm not. I I'm not rich yet. Okay. Um. What else? What else happened? I think that was all I had, man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You also had the the Joe Rogan controversy. I thought it was unfortunate, man. I thought it was really unfortunate. Um for those that don't know, Joe Rogan is this podcast like God. He has like probably the most listened to podcast in the world. Um, he's one of my heroes. I think he's a very, 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 very great podcaster, a great interviewer. Um, I mean, the way this guy does like research on topics, very, very engaging. He also happens to be a comedian. So, I mean, he's just, he, he can do it all. He's really, really good at this like talking thing. Um, recently 
he was criticized for having certain people on for their views on COVID, on the COVID mandates and the COVID vaccines. Somewhat controversial views. Um, he was condemned for that. Now, I think as a result of that, you know, going against the COVID, you know, established, you know, facts about COVID as far as the mainstream media goes, I feel like there's been a lot of heat coming his way for everything. Now, recently, a video came out where he, he, it was like a video that had multiple clips, clips from like many podcasts where he used the N-word. But the way the video was spliced together, he just kept saying the N-word, 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 N-word. So it looked like he was, he was just using it indiscriminately. But when, because I've been listening to Joe, Joe Rogan for a while now, when you listen to the actual podcast, a lot of times that he said it, he was saying it either to quote somebody or he was saying it to, um, in, in like some kind of context where he was describing, oh, someone used the N-word, but then he would use the word. Um, and as a result of that, of course, you know, with the cancel culture these days, people are calling to pull down Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, there have been a lot of artists, starting with the COVID thing, there were artists, music artists, music artists like um, Joni Mitchell. Honestly, I don't know who she is either. I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, New Young. New Young, I've heard of New Young. He's a rock star. Um, and a bunch of other artists have been threatened to pull their, their music off Spotify. Some of them have actually gone through with it in protest of Joe Rogan's COVID misinformation, so to speak. But then India Ari came out and said, look, I, I get why they're, why they're trying to cancel Joe Rogan. Here's why I want to cancel him. And then that's when they now dropped the video. She, she, she posted the video of him using the N-word. And it was all out of context. But as a result of that, Joe Rogan came out, I think either today or yesterday, came out, put out a video where he was kind of apologizing. And I think that was a mistake. I think that was a mistake. I, I feel like if you, if your intention was never to be malicious, you should never apologize for anything. You shouldn't. You, sh you shouldn't. You shouldn't apologize to a mob, to an online mob. That is the worst thing that you can do because what, what's going to happen now is that by apologizing, you're... It's almost like you're trying to... It's almost like you're admitting that you did something wrong. And I don't think you did. Now, let's address exactly what it is that we're talking about. The N-word, the use of the N-word. I understand that some people still like get hurt by it. Um, me personally, and again, this is coming as someone that originally hailed from Nigeria. I don't have the history of being a descendant of a slave. So I understand that the word maybe may not carry as much weight with me. But I'm just going to give my opinion. Me personally, it doesn't affect me. As long as the word isn't being used as a slur against me or as a slur against another person. It's no different from someone insulting someone, another person, based on immut immutable characteristics that they have. Again, it goes back to the conversation that I was having earlier. 
I think that that would be wrong. If you're just using the word and you're describing the word, I refuse to let, I refuse to be triggered by it. I don't think it's wise to have a word, just the mention of a word, bring out so much emotion out of you. I, I don't think it's wise. But again, I'm, I'm speaking from someone that maybe I don't necessarily see it the same way other people may see it. But I'm going to explain why I'm saying this. The word, the N-word itself, gets used all the time by black people. And it seems to only ever have this charge to it when it's used by someone that's not black. And when we have a problem with it, when it's used by a white person versus when it's used by a black person, in in context, I'm not saying using this as a slur. I'm not saying using it to insult someone. I'm just saying just using the word or saying the word. It's almost like we... You, might, you may as well be putting that white person on a pedestal. There's something very, very concerning to me about when a word has a certain power when someone else says it. And the only thing that makes it have power is the color of their skin. I find that insulting. That we have all these rap songs where the N-word is being tossed around, tossed around all the time. No one bats an eye. And it's, those songs are all over Spotify. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I listen to those songs. But then suddenly it's a problem when it's said out of the mouth of a white man. And again, I'm not saying I'm not saying a white man that's using it as a slur. I'm not saying anyone that's using it as a slur. I'm just saying just the mention of the word. It's all, it reminds me of like Harry Potter where they could never say the word Voldemort. And they would always say, he who cannot be named. There's something so absurd, absurd about it. Where it's like, well, you can't say the word. You can't use the word, even in when you're trying to describe something. It's almost like your intent doesn't matter anymore. Just by saying it, it's almost like you're, you're offending everyone. I feel like we have to ask the question, why exactly are we offended? What exactly are we offended by? Now, some people will say, uh, the the history, the weight, the history that that word carries from slavery times. My response to that is that none of us are in slavery times. So it's almost like we are, we want to, it's almost like people want to hold on to the weight of that word from slavery times and give and continue to give it power. That's what it is. You know, when we said black people stripped away the power, so they say using it as a term of endearment, then that's what it should have been, a term of endearment, if that's what, if that's what black people were going to do. But then it's only a term, a term of endearment when it's said by a black person, but then it's not when it's said like, it doesn't make any sense. How, how, how do we let... See, these are examples to me. These, when people talk about white supremacy, these are examples of white supremacy. When a word carries a different type of 
just a word. You know, forget sticks and stones may break my bones, but, but words will never hurt. These words, for some reason, they carry a different kind of weight when it's said by someone of, of Caucasian. Why? How do we put them, put them on such a pedestal? It's almost like we're trying to say their, their tongue is more powerful because they said the word. How? How? I'm not offended. I don't care. As long as, as long as I'm not being, it's not being used as a slur against me. I'm no more offended by if a black person calls me the C-O-O-N word. If a black person calls me the C-O-O-N word and uses it as a slur, I'm offended by that. I'm far more offended by that than if a white person happened to just use the N word in context of like describing it. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't get it, man. I really don't. I really don't. Maybe maybe someone can explain this to me. I don't buy the whole history thing. I when no none of us are slaves. None of us are slaves. And some people will say, yeah, you know, you, you can't you can't determine how people choose to get offended by something. But it's like, why are we giving it so much power? And we 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 only give it that power when it's said by a white person. That to me is almost like you are trying to elevate white supremacy that's how i interpret it that a word means something different when someone of another race says it how what makes them special how come it means nothing when it comes out of my mouth and it means something when it comes out of their mouth how how explain that to me please i I would really like people to get get in the comment section and, and maybe break this down to me because the whole because it was used during slavery times, I I, I just don't buy that excuse. I, I don't, I don't like why why are you why are you holding on to that. Why and even if if you're gonna find that offensive, there is a serious cognitive dissonance when you find it offensive only when it comes out of a white person's mouth, and you don't find it offensive when it comes out of a black person's mouth. At least be consistent. At least be consistent. It makes no sense to me. Just my opinion. I'm not speaking for all people. I'm speaking from Corey. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I I would really like people to get in the comment section. I'd like to hear what you guys have to say about that because it doesn't make any sense to me. So, yeah, he said he said he had used the word describing other people using it. I'm talking about Joe Rogan here. Some of the examples that he had used was like he was quoting like um, Paul Mooney's stand-up routine. Yeah, he used the N word, and he he said it, or like he was describing when someone used the N word, and that, and he was talking about the fact that that person shouldn't have used the N word, but then he said it, and it's just like, I don't get it, man, I don't get it. All these people that hold on to this history of slavery and carry it on their chest everywhere, look, I I think it's gonna be hard to live a fulfilled life when you walk around with that baggage. I, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's necessary. I really don't. I understand that there are people that still go through some forms of racism. But the truth to me is that everyone is racist to an extent. And it's funny because (laughs) they recently changed the definition of racism. Actually, they didn't change. They added a new definition of racism to the Merriam Dictionary. This was like a year or two ago. 
But the Anti-Defamation League, they also changed their definition of racism. They changed it last year. They changed it to mean, you know, it was the whole oppressor, oppression thing. And it was basically racism is when black when black people are oppressed by white people. That's essentially what this new definition was. But it's funny because when the Whoopi Goldberg controversy started and she made those comments and she said it's not about race she said the holocaust was not about race <laughs> technically by by that definition that the anti-defamation league used technically she would have been right technically speaking so what ended up happening was they changed the definition again to then incorporate that the fact that it it could it doesn't have to be white versus black where it could just be one race of people versus another race of people oppressing the other person i i found that very interesting that they actually had to change the definition of racism there's a lot that's not making sense in this country you people i'm telling you there's a lot that's not making sense i feel like the media is slowly but surely all their narratives are crumbling down like a deck of cards and a lot of things that they try to push on us has been mostly to divide us and to keep us divided and i'm hoping i'm hoping i can cut through a lot of that bullshit on this podcast i really am i truly truly am um but i think i think that's all i had for today man um with that said it's been a pleasure I'll be back. Um, I'm going to play this track. It's a track I've been listening to recently. I just I just love the track. Um, all right. Thank you.